Anyway, uh, today we start, or we continue our series. Uh, we're in a series called Disciple, okay? Uh, we're in a, disseri- a, a series called Disciple, and really what this series is all about is your personal discipleship. It's something that matters a great deal to us as elders. It is very important part of what it means to be a local church to recognize that, that it's important where every single man, woman, and child's walk with God is at all times. Right? We would actually go on to say that there isn't, at least for individual sake, there's nothing more significant, there's nothing more urgent, there's nothing more important than your walk with God. I want you to let that sit in for a moment. There's nothing more significant. There's nothing more urgent. There's nothing more uh, pressing. There's no greater priority in your life than your walk with God. And for us as a leadership, we look at each and every one of you and say, you know what, it's important that we're praying about this, that we're leading into this, that we're providing tools and resources, contexts where people can grow in their walk with God. Disciple, this series, is all about that. It's all about your relationship to Jesus Christ and your representation of Jesus Christ in your everyday life. Our mission is to glorify God by equipping all of Christ's people to live faithful lives of worship. That faithful life of worship is discipleship, right? And we've clearly articulated that, right? The Bible is the full answer to the question, what is a disciple? But we've set out to define what a disciple is, who a disciple is, in a concise way that that deals with the majors, okay? We've called that the outcomes. There are five outcomes that we want to see in the life of every person that's related to their worship, related to their discipleship. That is, these are people who have come to know Christ in the gospel, they've received grace, and now that grace, that salvation, is being worked out in their everyday life, their decisions, their relationships, their resources, their interaction with a world that needs God. That's what this is about. This is our task as a leadership. We receive that humbly, and we want to work at that very intentionally. We're not perfect, but we are passionate about this. And yet, while it's our responsibility, it's important to start 2017 and look back at you and say, guess what? It's your responsibility, too. Empowered by the Spirit. To constantly evaluate and consider where you are in your walk with God. While it's our responsibility, it's your responsibility. We work together. We cooperate with one another as the Spirit empowers to see every man, woman, and child that has received grace represent that grace in their everyday life, in their worship to the glory of God. And so here are the things that we've talked about thus far. We've talked about the fact that disciples pursue God in the word and prayer. 
we've talked about the fact that disciples, those who are following Jesus, have radically different kind of relationships. Specifically, they exhibit the fruit of the Spirit in all their interactions with their family, with their co-workers, with their neighbors, with their friends, with those who do not know God. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness are characteristics of the kinds of relationships, the way we engage other people. It radically turns upside down the expectations of the world, these Christ-like relationships. And disciples last week share their grace story, right? Not just really interesting things like, here's my dinner tonight on Facebook. We like to share that, which is very odd. I think about all the things I put on Facebook. I'm like, why would I think anybody really cares about that? Right? We like to share things. One thing we don't like to share, for whatever reason, because we're scared or fearful or hesitant, or maybe we don't really know, is the grace story, the gospel, the very thing that we should be sharing and have the privilege of articulating to a world that needs it so desperately. And today, we're in number four, the fourth outcome. Disciples serve others out of their spiritual giftedness. Okay? That's what I want you to get today. Disciples serve others out of their spiritual giftedness. That's where we turn this morning. Grab your Bibles, Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 8. We're going to take inventory about how our heart is as a servant before God and other people. We're going to look at our lives and we're going to say, is this consistent with what it means to know and represent Christ, who is the servant of all? So let's take a look at this. Romans chapter 12. If you know the book of Romans, you know that the first 11 chapters are really an articulation of the gospel. This is what God has done. Here are the implications in our lives about what God has done. And now we transition in chapter 12 to the response. Because of this act of God in Christ, here is the response that we would expect to see. Again, that's very consistent with the series that we have. Okay, so Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 8, follow along with me. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Verse 6, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. This is the word of the Lord, and all of God's people said, Amen. Listen, the first thing I want you to see here this morning as we take a look at this passage is that service is a matter of God's grace. When we're talking about serving others out of our spiritual giftedness, we have to take note first and foremost that serving is a matter of God's grace. 
If we look back on the basis of all of this, the first 11 chapters, really back to the story in the Gospels, we see that Jesus, the eternal God, came into the world. He lived a perfect, sinless life. He obeyed his Father and went to the cross, as he would have earlier described this as an act of service. Mark chapter 10, verses 45. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to what? To serve and to give his life as a ransom payment for many. Jesus is obeying and serving the many in their salvation. Okay, That is what God has done. It is foundational to service, the serving of Jesus Christ. And it is an act of unmerited favor. This is the outworking of God's grace that he has in, in who he is and how he accomplishes his purposes in the world. And when Jesus died, death could not hold him. Someone say amen to that. But because he was the son of God, because death could not hold him, and because he was perfect and sinless and holy before God, guess what? God raised him from the dead. So death did not keep him. And it's a powerful act of the Spirit. The Spirit rose Jesus from the dead. And then Ephesians chapter 4 says that as he ascended, right? He didn't stay here, but he ascended. Ephesians chapter 4 says that when he ascended into heaven, he gave gifts to men. That on the basis of his saving work, his resurrection, his victory over sin, his victory over death, he ascended to his rightful place of glory and authority. And on the basis of that, he was able to pour out the Spirit, Acts chapter 2, fill the church, and cause that body of believers to function with power from on high. When he ascended into heaven, he gave gifts to men and women who trusted in Christ. You see, God's grace is foundational to serving. His saving grace is foundational to serving. He has saved you from your sin. If you believe and trust in Jesus, you have been saved by grace. And he's also given us a filling grace, right? The power of the Holy Spirit. As promised long ago in the old covenant about a new covenant that his spirit would live inside of his people, indwell them. And as Jesus said, it is not just a filling grace, but it is a functioning grace. It is an empowering grace where the spirit of the living God takes residence in our soul and empowers us to do things that in our own we would never be capable of doing. It's a saving grace. It's a filling grace, a functioning grace. And so when we talk about serving others, Paul starts out by saying this, for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you. Grace is foundational to his role and serving in the body of Christ. And that's what he's doing as the apostle. He knows his role and his gift and his function is solely and wholly built on the foundation of the grace of God. So when we talk about this, we have to anchor it in the gospel. We have to anchor it in the grace of God. And we have to understand that it is the grace of God that has defined us as servants. Grace defines us. Right? Paul says, by the grace of God, I am who I am. Amen? And so many of us are used to being defined by our performance. Uh, our, our standing, our place in society, what we see when we look in the mirror. 
the scriptures teach that it is the grace of God in Jesus Christ that defines us. And if you think about Paul's place as the apostle, right, a unique place, but if you go back to the opening chapter of this book, what does he start out by saying about himself? Look at chapter 1, verse 1. The author of the letter, Paul, a what? Servant of Christ Jesus. By the grace of God, I am what I am. We are servants of Christ Jesus, serving the one who has served us. By the grace of God, I am what I am. By the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, service is a matter of grace, for grace defines who we are. Amen? And we see that service is not just about grace. It is also about interdependency. Serving others is a matter of interdependency. What do you mean? Well, look at what he says. He says, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. What is he saying here? Listen, I know the kind of people that you are. You're prone to one of two things. To think more highly than you ought to think. Right? People that struggle with a, a genuine self-awareness. Some of you are looking at me and saying, he probably shouldn't have worn the vest. It's a little tight on him. Maybe he thinks that he's thinner than he really is. Someone needs to talk to Mike. I'm feeling like, you know, shoehorned a little bit. Like, I might just take it, you know, just... I'm trying. I'm trying. Really, I'm trying. Some of us think we're better than we really are. I want you to think about that. Right? Pride... Self-esteem, a part of the Sesame Street generation. Everyone's special, everyone's amazing, and everybody gets a trophy. We think we're great. We think we're entitled to something. Right? But the scriptures point out the fact that we are often lacking a sense of true sense of identity. We forget who we are, we don't realize who we really are. We begin to define ourselves in unbiblical terms. And often when we see ourselves too highly, we can look at a particular need or a particular task or an opportunity in the life of the church and say, I'm too good for that. I should be doing this. This is my gift. When we've never been affirmed in that regard. No one ever said to us, man, you're really gifted. In that. But we've self-defined ourselves. The one I hear all the time is, I'm a teacher. I'm a teacher, man. Yeah, where are you teaching? Well, nowhere. Okay, well, has the body affirmed that? Nope. That may be true, but yet we're not sure yet, right? We're not sure. We want to see that. We want to see that lived out. We want to tease that out and see. So really, uh, oftentimes, people want to just jump to the highest, quote-unquote, the highest, which is unbiblical, position in a church and just say, yeah, I belong up front. I want a microphone. I'm a, I'm a leader. Right? Red flag. Right? 
We oftentimes think we're better than we really are. That task is, not, uh, is too, uh, too low for someone like me. Pride. Pride will stand in the way of serving, right? Pride will stand in the way of you thinking about and caring for the needs of other people. My time is too valuable for that, right? But not only that, and I think actually I've seen this more often than not. The other side of the coin is that oftentimes people think too low of themselves, right? They don't just think too highly of themselves, but they think too low of themselves. They think of themselves, I could never be used by God. And some of you may be sitting here, and that's your struggle. You may not be struggling with self-esteem. You may be struggling with some form of self-pity. God could never use me. I'm not good enough, right? It's a different form of pride, making it all about you and worshiping your inadequacies. But it's all the same, right? It's a way in which we look at ourselves, we have a distorted understanding. We're not allowing grace to define who we are. And when grace doesn't define who we are, spirit-empowered, filled, adopted children of the living God, all by grace, when grace doesn't define who we are, it will be a roadblock to serving other people, to making ourselves available to other people's needs. So we must not think too high of ourselves, pride. We must not think too low of ourselves, self-pity. We must see uh, who we are for real, according to the grace of God. Right? We see that grace defines us, and then we see that grace binds us to one another. We live interconnected. Right? That's what the work of God has done. We've been united to Christ in His death and resurrection. Our life is not our own. We've been bought at a price. By the grace of God, I am who I am. And it, and it goes on to say this. For as in one body were many members. The members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. You are not a collection of individuals, Renovation Church. You are a body interdependently connected because of the gracious work of Jesus Christ. The Spirit brings us together as one in Christ. We're not all the same. That's clear. Mike's a little odd. We're not all the same. We don't all have the same gifts. We don't all have the same function. But we are in the same body of Christ with the same head who rules and reigns over us. And as the Spirit of God is empowering the people of God, He's doing so by dispensing grace, by dispensing gifts according to His sovereign will and according to the measure of faith that God is assigning. He's doing so because in, in giving out multifaceted graces that are displayed in unique ways, all of that is what? Building a body. Because a body has many parts, but they all have different functions. Right? And so all together, they function interdependently to create a strong and healthy body. We're talking in physical terms. And the same goes spiritually. Right? A representation of the Trinity. Father, Son, Spirit. One, yet three. 
one yet many. Imagine us looking at God and, and seeing them in any way, shape, or form, the Trinity, as disconnected from one another. We would never consider that. And yet oftentimes we come to the local church and we see ourselves as a collection of individuals that are loosely tied when they're together on a Sunday morning. They maybe send each other emails. They may take care of the, this need or that need. But what we have to see is that this is a, a body of people joined together. We are one in Christ members of one another. That when one member is not functioning properly, it affects the whole. Right? We have to see ourselves interdependent with one another. We are not disconnected. And serving is a matter of interdependency. Grace binds us together. Last night, our family uh, watched a movie. We sat down and watched a movie. Radical. We sat down. Radical. And we watched the classic, oh yes we did, Hoosiers. Mm-hmm. I cried the whole movie. From the opening song with the car driving down the cornfields. I'm like, oh! I'm a mess. So, right, the, the coach comes from out of town. He's Comes to Hickory, he's going to coach the, the Hickory Huskers in the early 50s. And he comes to this group of four and a half, five and a half, six, depending on who's measuring it on the team. Six uh, young men, and they're playing uh, hoops, and they're giving it all for this small town in who knows where, Indiana. Why does every town end with the word lick? It's just odd, but anyway, that's just a sidebar. So anyway... They come together, and the coach starts to do some radically different things, right? He's teaching some new things. They're like, hey, why are we scrimmaging, coach? You know? Grandpa's thinking about scrimmage. How about wind sprints, suicides, right? That's practice. So he comes together, and all of a sudden, they're doing this passing drill. Pop, pop the ball, pop the ball. And they're working together back and forth, but the thing's breaking down, and it's breaking down because they're not working together. They're not seeing themselves as an interdependent unit. And finally... He looks at them and says, you, you have to think like a unit. Each person is absolutely necessary to the success of the team. No one person, no one teammate is more important or less important than the other. You have to start thinking like a unit. And I think oftentimes we miss out on that very same principle. Interdependency. We are one, working together as a unit. Every person is absolutely necessary for the glory of God and the good of others. If we're missing one person, right, we live oftentimes with satisfaction with the 20-80 rule, 20% participating on behalf of the 80. We are not satisfied with any such rule here at Renovation Church because we need every man, woman, and child to reach every man, woman, and child. No one is indispensable. No one is more valuable. No one is less valuable than another. Every person is indispensable for God to carry out his purposes in the world through the church. We need all of you, right? And it's not about rotations, as we're going to see. It's not just about filling slots. It's about something so much more significant, eternally significant than that. We have to think interdependence, interdependently. Next, serving others is a matter of obedience. This may sound like, like duh, but look at verse 6. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. 
right? I got a bunch of tools in my shed. They're really dusty, right? What good is all these tools in, in, on my shelves when I never use them? Bob's thinking, most of your tools are still in the church office next door, and it's about time you clean them out, right? But what good is having all these tools when I have absolutely nothing to do with them? Doreen's like, I have a few ideas about what you could be doing with your tools, right? There's a sense where we have this grace, We've received this grace, and there's purpose behind it. It's to be put to use. It's not meant to get dusty. It's not meant to be talked about as, remember the old days when we used to do X, Y, and Z? Man, those days were fun. The glory days don't do any good for the people of God in the here and now. Let me just be clear about that. Serving others is a matter of our obedience. Having these things, let us use them. Oftentimes, we can talk about serving, we can fill out surveys, we can pray about it for months, we can, at the end of the day, let us just use them. Let us begin to serve and dive in. But you may be asking, what are my gifts? I don't really know. Right? You're talking about this grace that is given. You're talking about the fact that the Spirit lives in me and gives me a unique manifestation of grace a.k.a. a spiritual gift to be used for the glory of God and the good of others? You're telling me that, but I have absolutely no idea what my gift is. I thought I didn't have one. You're telling me today that I have one. Yeah, but what is it? Where is my place? What is that gift? I think that's an awesome question. We need to go there. We need to go there. We need to get very practical and very specific. We need to find ways to answer that question. Okay? For oftentimes what churches have done... Uh, as they've, they've passed out a survey or, or a test, and they've said, here's 145 questions. Please fill out the Scantron sheet and turn it in, and we'll let you know what your gift is. But many of you, like me, know what those tests are all about, and I, I'm telling you, I can be an apostle and a prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. I can be them all if I just answer the question right. right? There's a sense where that's fine, but at, at Renovation Church, we have not really sought that as the primary way to discover what your gifts are. Passing out a test and putting you in a box. Okay? That's not been our mentality. Okay? That's too much based on your own self-awareness, which could be very distorted, as we've already said. What we've said is this. Start serving. There's a need. Put your hand up. I can do it. Regardless of what it is. There's a need made known. Yeah, I'll do it. And just start serving. Give yourselves to the needs of others. And let's see what God does. Here's what I know God does. Okay, in my life. I started serving. Mostly because my youth pastor manipulated me to do so. But I started serving. And I love, grateful, owe him so much for his call to my commitment and my availability I would not be the man I am today without that kind of leadership in my life. So please don't mishear me. But I started serving. And over time, you know what happened? People began to speak in. Hey, you, right? you're gifted at that. God is working through you in this regard. Right? I see that gift of teaching. Or I see that gift of administration. Or I see that gift of whatever the gift is. The, the body of Christ speaks in. And by the way, in different seasons of life... As the church needs, the answer to that has been very different. There have been times where people said, man, you are an evangelist. And I'm like, I am? 
Everyone told me two years ago I wasn't. Right? You're a, you're, you're a, one week, yeah, you're not really gifted at administration. And then like five years later, they're like, man, you're pretty administrative. I'm like, no, I'm not. What are you talking about? I'm unorganized. I'm a mess, which is pretty much true. But what I'm saying is, is what, this, what the church needs, the spirit empowers. So don't put yourself in a box of this is what I filled out 10 years ago. When the spirit, what the spirit needs, what the spirit empowers, and the church needs, he makes it happen. And he does so even in the midst of our weakness. Sometimes where you would think you are most weak, that's where the power of God shows up. So having gifts that differ according to the measure of grace, measure of faith, which, by the way, is not an eternal thing, like you're this forever and you're not that. It's just as the Spirit empowers, as the body needs, use it. So our encouragement to you is, if you don't know your gift, start serving. And then we, as the body, will speak in. And if we fail to speak in, if we, as the church, fail to encourage one another in our giftedness and say, no, not you're awesome, bro, but wow, God is at work in you. When we begin to do that, right? We begin to help people discover how God has uniquely wired them. It's people's responsibility to step forward and serve as needs arise. And it's our responsibility as we seek others serving to look at someone and say, you know what? God is at work in you. Keep doing that. It is building the body. It is serving the body. It's a matter of obedience. So all of us, let us is an all-inclusive term. Let us, as the body of Christ, as those who have received grace, let us, all of us, not let 20 of the 100, let all of us use them. Last, I'm going to say serving others is a matter of God's glory. So often we've seen spiritual gifts become about this, this, this um, uh, special thing about us. This is who I am. Look at me. Right? I'm a this or I'm a that. Man, I'm a gifted musician. And we end up seeking our own affirmation. We end up seeking our own fulfillment. So oftentimes people stop serving. You know why? And I know it's a multifaceted issue. But you know why oftentimes people stop serving? They say, I'm just not feeling fulfilled in that. There's a part of me that's very sensitive to that. But here's the deal. Service has never been about your fulfillment. See, we want to we be world changers, man. Right? This generation, if we don't feel like, you know, it's watching that millennials video that about six months into their first job, they're like, I don't feel like I'm really making a major impact into the world. And the guy's like, dude, you're 18. You've been here six months. Put the mail where it goes. Like, there's a sense of depression and discouragement that overcomes a, a generation that's always expecting to make a massive impact. Man, you come out of college, you're like, I'm changing the world. And your boss is like, no, you're not. You know, matter of fact, we need someone to clean the bathrooms. And you're like, this stinks. No, that's life right? It's never been about your fulfillment. You don't serve God for your fulfillment. That's not the ultimate reason. It's not about you. It's never been about you. 
It's about the glory of God. We exist for the glory of God. This is our primary passion. This is our primary priority. This is why grace has been dispensed into your heart. Not for just your own fulfillment, but for the glory of God. We can't miss that. That serving is a matter of the glory of God and the meeting of other people's needs. And here's the deal. Here's the switch. When the glory of God and the needs of others being met are our joy, if that's what makes us happy, you're going to have all the fulfillment in the world. But if it's about, eh, not making a difference, we got a problem. But now again, to flip the switch on that, and I'm going to end here. Mike's going to come up and give you some practical ways to respond. Serving does make a difference. All of it. All the things that we do each week, all the conversations, all the godly attitudes, all the meaningless tasks, all the visible ones, it's making an impact that you may not be fully aware of. Right? We were, Dorian and I were talking the last couple of days about the fact that her father, and really her family, came to faith because someone was faithfully serving them. And yes, it was in the context of the ministry of the local church. They began to bring their, Doreen, Matt, and Carissa, they began to bring the kids to Redeemer Covenant Church to a program. Oh no, we're not about program. To a program there for children. And Doreen's father began to look around and see these men who week in and week out were leaving work early to serve a group of young boys at a program called Stockade. These men were serving. Probably just doing their, what they got to do this week. Not thinking, oh, I'm changing the world. Just serving. I'm going to set up. I'm going to teach. We're going to laugh. We're going to roll around. And then we're going to tear it down and go home tired. Ugh. But Doreen's dad saw that. And then he started serving in it. I guess I should serve too. I guess I should participate in this. And through relationships in serving, Doreen's father came to faith in Christ. Conversion. So here's the point. We may not see it in the moment, but when we serve others, God saves them. From the meaningless of tasks to the most visible. Again, quote, unquote. When we serve, when we greet in the parking lot, when we clean the bathrooms, when we give out the cards, when we preach, when we sing, when we pray, when we help someone move, when we orchestrate the details and schedule things out, when we go downstairs and pass out uh, goldfish to kids, this is no insignificant thing. You may not feel fulfillment in the moment, but God is doing what only God can do. He's putting grace into your heart. He's working that grace out 
in ordinary ways in the simple tasks that you do. And he's taking all of that effort, all of that sacrifice, and he's taking it and he's putting it together. He's mobilizing his people so that more people come to know Christ, so that lives are saved. And so when you serve, you're participating in the redemption of humanity. The glory of God. So by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, don't think of yourself too high, don't think of yourself too low. You have a gift, you've been empowered by the Spirit. Use it and participate in the redemption of humanity to the glory of God and you will be fulfilled. Amen? Amen. Let's welcome Micah.